Shut up and sit down. You're listening to the Cheaters Never Pin Podcast, a proud part of the Section 328 family. Follow us on Twitter at CheatersNVRPIN. Now, live from ringside, it's Mr. Workrate and JC. Well, hello again, everybody. And welcome back to another episode of the Cheaters Never Pin Podcast. We're glad to have you on board today. Absolutely. I didn't hear the intro, but I'm, I'm sure it'll come out in post. Oh, it's there. How about now? Can you hear it now? Oh, hey! Hey, there it is. <laughs> we're, uh, we're using some, some new stuff, so it's, uh, we figured it out. So hopefully the show thought, turns out okay. I thought I went deaf mute there for a moment, so. No, I didn't realize I didn't have the uh, aux input sent to your mix. But that means it didn't know, so it wouldn't have recorded at all. So you know what? Now everybody's just hearing this. And they're like, what the fuck are they talking about? Well, it's because I added it. <laughs> Wee! Technology. Anyway, this is the Cheaters Never Pin Podcast. I'm JC. Assuming we're recording right now, I'm Tom. Yes, and uh, we're here to talk about wrestling. And we've got a little bit to talk about tonight. Yeah, we've actually got some content this week. Yeah, we got uh, No Mercy to talk about from this past Sunday. Yeah, uh, I think we're going to talk a little bit. We kind of touched upon it last week, but we'll talk a little bit about the uh, recent passing of Bobby the Brain Heenan. Uh, and we got a match exchange. So we can try to keep this short and sweet for your commute in the morning or evening or afternoon. I don't. Maybe you work third shift. I don't know. We're not here to judge. No. If so, make that third shift money. You do you. Yeah. <laughs> It's a lot better commute than what I'm doing, so. All right. Uh, but as always, thank you for listening. Rate, review, and subscribe wherever you downloaded us on any of the 19 million platforms where finer podcasts are purveyed. And hopefully it'll also be on the website like last week's was not, but. Yes. Last week was weird. We recorded on a Friday, and it was super late, and I just didn't feel like it. <laughs> it may yeah. not have happened. I'm not sure. It may have been a fever dream. It did. But, and thank you for those of you that stuck with it and still downloaded it. I know there were some of you, and I appreciate your patronage. Yes. And speaking of patronage, uh, go to cheatersneverpin.com and click the Patreon button on the front page if you want to support this podcast uh, and our website by tossing a few ducats in the coffer uh, every month as a thank you. Yeah, it allows us to uh, not only dangle that carrot in front of us to make us you know, want to actually do these things each week, but which we enjoy doing anyway. So, you know, spoiler alert, your money doesn't necessarily encourage us to do these podcasts because we probably do them anyway for free. But uh, it helps us to buy this, you know, new technology that JC will figure out so that we can figure out how to do the sound on both ends of this uh, uh, podcast and uh, yeah. use microphones. So maybe we can be in the same room one day and, you know, all kinds of neat stuff. Absolutely. TeachersNeverPin.com and click the Patreon button. Do it. Uh, so do you want to start off with Heenan then? I feel like, because I don't th- I mean, <laughs> I don't have that much of a background with him being the age I am. Uh, Shut up. <laughs> like, I remember watching him on Nitro. I remember him from Nitro. That's where I first knew Bobby Heenan from. 
All right, so I guess I'll take the handoff here so, and just yeah. work. Um, Bobby Heenan, uh, I first got into wrestling, and we'll do the age checks here, uh, around, I guess, the end of 85, beginning of 86, around that time, kind of after WrestleMania 1, but before WrestleMania 2. Um and Bobby Heenan was one of a collection of managers that um, participated in WWF at the time. Um, it was Heenan, uh, Mr. Fuji, uh, Freddie Blassie, Johnny Valiant, um, Captain Lou Albano for the faces. So there actually was one good guy out of the group, but uh, just there was a large amount of managers go uh, over on the uh, heel side of WWF. And as it turns out, most of these guys, uh, at least in the case of everyone, pretty much other than Heenan had been previous WWF employees in some way, whether they be wrestlers like uh, Fuji wrestled. He was a former tag champion. Uh, Blassie had the huge history uh wrestling in the um, California and the West Coast before eventually coming over and being a manager. Um, Johnny Valiant. Uh, the Valiants go back very far with uh, Vince McMahon Sr. So just one of those things where these guys always always going to have a job as long as Vince is around, that type of thing. Heenan had made his name um, – more recently in uh, the AWA with uh, Vern Gagne uh, as the manager of Nick Bockwinkle, along with other people, but Bockwinkle was the main person he was put with. Um, and he would wrestle and he would also um, manage. But when Hogan, when Hulk Hogan came over, and I learned about this uh, just recently, uh, from Tony Schiavone's podcast, but uh, when Hulk Hogan had come to the WWF um, from the AWA, Heenan was one of the people that he pushed to bring over from the AWA. So Heenan comes over, and Heenan wasn't like the stereotypical other managers that were out there uh guys like fuji you know they were they were the devious stereotypes uh freddie blast he was just kind of a gravelly faced old guy who yelled and insulted people and, uh, and johnny valiant was desperately trying to be the cool guy but heenan heenan just had this ability to insult people just so flawlessly without having to yell without having to be overwhelming or anything like that he would just break it down and just insult anybody who bothered to come to a wrestling event and he just had this way of speaking that just was so grating against you and it part of it you couldn't necessarily explain but i mean it just even in like it would work more so even nowadays because he just had this way of speaking i think probably the closest person i can think of now to be able to get under a fan skin would be like a Kevin Owens. Now, I guess it's kind of the comparison that I can make, but Heenan 
not only was able to cut these promos, but he also, at least for a decent amount of time before injury slowed him down, he he would still wrestle every once in a while. And even when he was a manager, he would take these hellacious bumps over the top rope, go flying outside of the ring. I mean, like Shawn Michaels-like reckless, you know, uh, comeuppance when the face would finally get their hands on him and, like, just lay out one punch. He'd go flying as if, like, Shawn Michaels hit Hulk Hogan. It was... It was... And it would get the crowd so into it. But, um, yeah, he would later go on. I mean, you know, he did the commentary for the longest time with WWF. Um, would dress up in drag every once in a while. He had this connection with Gorilla Monsoon, just the two of them back and forth. And they knew each other for a while and worked each other with each other for a long time. And they just had this chemistry on primetime wrestling and on... Uh, one of the syndicated shows, I want to say it's Wrestling Challenge, one of those, where just the two of them worked so well together, um, and then eventually worked his way over to uh, WCW, where he then did commentary for uh, a good amount of years afterwards, um, and as he got older, he just, uh, it, flashes of him were still there, and he people always talk about his quick wit and he was like a stand-up comedian and people said that he could be a stand-up comedian just with his quick wit and always on top of something. Somebody said something, he could throw it right back at you. Um, so, but in WCW, it just, it, you could, you could sense a little bit of a decline and I'm not sure if it was because he wasn't, he was just kind of getting tired of the whole process or whether it was just WCW backstage being annoying, which again, Shivani has talked about in the past and just the way that WCW was run at the time promises that were made, that type of thing. But um, I think the way to truly appreciate Heenan is to hit the network um not necessarily the collection that they put together of him because it's just kind of a randomly thrown together collection of uh, random Bobby Heenan stuff, but check out the primetime wrestling shows, uh, see his interactions with Gorilla Monsoon, which were great. Um, look at some of the pay-per-view events that he participated in, uh, like the early ones, like WrestleMania 2, WrestleMania 3, uh, watch, um, watch some of the buildup that he does when they did the Andre turn on Hogan, and um, just watch how he builds together that and builds a case for Andre, where Andre's clearly turning heel. He and Bobby Heenan is this hated person, but Bobby's throwing out like the common sense and putting the finger of blame on Hogan. Now Hogan is this great big baby face, obviously, but he just throws the finger of blame at him. And he's almost like, kind of like the lawyer that like you hate him telling you the truth, but you kind of realize it at the same time you want, because it's him saying it, you hate it. And he just, he just did that so skillfully. And, um, 
yeah, managers now any like heel wrestling persona nowadays can study tapes of him and it's truly a loss. Yeah. Um like I said, my my introduction to him started with, with Nitro towards the tail end of the Monday Night Wars. Uh which, you know, you kinda of touched on this. He was he was fine. He was still Bobby, but it wasn't the Bobby like if you go back to the network and watch primetime wrestling that you would see. Uh which I've done and that's that's awesome. And and uh yeah, there's a lot I think Corey Graves has a little bit of him in him. And yeah. Corey Graves has the potential to I don't he you know, there will never be another Bobby Heenan, but to be, you know, a different version of that, I think that that's there. Yeah. Um but yeah, it's you know it's a huge personality in, in a in a sport in an entertainment industry that is filled with them, uh, and it's it's a huge loss. Yeah, um, the Royal Rumble, I want to say it's ninety, ninety one, the one that Flair wins. Uh, yeah, um, ninety or ninety one. Yeah, whichever those. Watch that. Don't you don't have to watch the rest of it. Just watch the actual Rumble match, and just because I mean he's got the investment in Flair, and I, you know it, there's the joke because he keeps using the fair to Flair thing throughout the entire thing, which is you know funny in itself, but it's kind of beaten to death. But just the way that he called that match is just yeah, it's it's. Typical Bobby Heenan, and it's it's typical of the person that people got to know uh, in that era. Yeah, for sure. Well, on a, I, I don't know if it's a brighter note or not. We'll we'll determine that as we go through it. <laughs> we'll we'll, uh, we'll talk about No Mercy, the Raw pay per view from this past Sunday. Well, no one died, so there's that. True, he did have one gruesome injury, but no deaths. We'll get to that. Yeah. Do we just want to start from the top of the card? Work our way through the end? Yeah, might just as well. Yeah. Uh, Elias versus Apollo Crews. I missed it completely, so I'm I'm going to assume whatever you say. Yeah, Elias won. It was fine. Apollo's great and doing his spots. Uh, Yep, that's about it. I heard I heard Meltzer say something interesting, which I totally agree about when it comes to Elias. You know, he's got pretty much all of the package, like the singing, the singing gimmicks getting over. He's got the right look. He's got the right face. Like, but when he gets to the ring, he's just nobody. And I think that is the best way to describe him right now. I totally agree with that. Yeah, and I mean, there was an era. I mean. 20 years ago where that would have been perfectly fine. Oh yeah. And nowadays it's not so much. Uh, but I mean, he'll, he'll still be able to coast on it at this point, but yeah. Yeah. Or to be able to hit that next level, at least be able to, and it may be, I mean, I don't know. It may be who he's in the ring with and whether or not he's given enough time. Well, Monday night after he uh, beat Apollo again, uh, he got beaten down by Titus. So you know, rah 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 rah. So that ought to be a interesting 
thing for TLC. Sure. <laughs> you kind of uh, forget that Titus wrestles until that. Yeah. He's so great in the Titus Worldwide Manager gimmick, though. It's perfect for him. Who saw that coming, really? No, it's it's great. Uh, the Miz defeats Jason Jordan with uh, distraction help from the rest of the Miz-Taraj to retain the Intercontinental Championship in 10 minutes, 15 seconds. Uh, the Miz in L.A., of course, cheered heavily by his hometown crowd that's not his hometown anymore because he actually lives in Vegas now because they sold their house in LA but nobody seems to know that uh, and uh, Jason Jordan no one no one gives a shit about him so you know that's the thing no um, yeah I mean for him to initially be a payoff of the whole Kurt Angle thing was a letdown in itself and I mean it's unfortunate because I like Jason Jordan as a wrestler in general, but yeah, guy lacks serious personality. So it, it's it's always going to be like this, and it's it's not even a case of a push that people get frustrated with, like Roman. Roman's at least marketable. Jason Jordan isn't. Not at this no. point, at least. He's a black hole of charisma, unfortunately. Yeah. He's the exact opposite of Elias. Yeah. If, <laughs> if they could somehow mush the two of them together. That would be maybe the weirdest wrestler I've ever seen. And that in itself is a gimmick. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so Titus Worldwide needs to invest in uh, like cloning technologies <laughs> to combine their DNA and... One of those fly type situations where yeah. like the two of them end up in the transporter and come out the other side <laughs> as this four armed. Wow, is that I even is that even legal? Could you have four uh, arms in a wrestling is it ring? Specifically illegal? That's true. I don't know. I'd have to consult the book of rules. Yeah. Um, but first half of the match, eh, back half of the match, much better. Uh, not the best match I've seen the Miz in uh, in recent memory. No, it's, I mean... Not that he's the, uh, a stellar technical wrestler by any means of the imagination, but uh, it was flat for even him. Yeah, I, I mean, you, you can put two halfway decent workers together, too, but they have to click, and it didn't seem like anything was clicking there. Yep. But uh, the Miz, the Miz, and the uh, Mistrage obviously moving on. Uh, we'll we'll get to that their next angle after uh, we cover the tag match, I guess. Yeah. Um, Finn Balor defeats Bray Wyatt in a man-to-man match in 11 minutes and 35 seconds. Yeah. I mean, poor Bray for always taking the loss, but uh, fanboy me is happy with this. Yeah, I, I figured you would be. Um. Finn in his shiny new, well, they weren't shiny, but it's his uh, beautiful new gray trunks and kick pads. Yeah, it's, that's a thing, you know, we just can't always be black gear, I guess. You yeah. know, got to shake off that Balor Club, uh, old school Bullet Club looking thing and get more into the little diamond symbol that, I don't know, somebody drew on a napkin. I like it though. It's cl- it's a clean it's a clean little symbol. That's what I like about it, and it is unique. It's unique to any other kind of look of a symbol in wrestling right now. 
yeah, it looks like somebody made it in the 1983, like, uh, video game. <laughs> Mario Paint? They made no, it in, the... Which is an uh, 83, what, but... What is it, Tempest? Tempest, I think, is what I'm thinking of. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. I got you. Welcome to more, you know, ancient references from old-ass Tom. Welcome to the Tom is Old podcast. <laughs> yeah. Uh... It was a fine match. I think it's the best match Bray Wyatt's had on pay-per-view in uh, an immeasurable amount of time. Uh, Finn was fine. I mean, it wasn't either one of them's like, it wasn't the most stellar match, but it's a Bray Wyatt match, so what am I going to expect? But it was fine. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's what it's going to be. And Um, Finn had to get that rub to start that gold dust feud, baby. (laughs) Yeah, sure. I'm pretty sure that was a one-off, and we're going back to this, though, since the music interrupts him Monday night. Yeah. Or the, not the music, but the, uh, well, yeah, I guess you could call it music, the whole world song. So, yeah, this is still going. I don't know why. Well, I don't know why they feel the need to just beat Bray Wyatt senseless all the time, but. And this this is the issue with a continuing feud. If you want to have a long feud like you had in the past, that's fine. But when you have a pay-per-view like seemingly every three weeks plus TV and basically having matches or like tag matches or whatever in with each other, it gets to be boring because you're trying to build out this long feud over several months and it feels like you're getting beaten over the head with it mm-hmm. because you have it every three weeks on a pay-per-view and it gets mentioned every week on you know TV show, which is three hours long, instead of how it originally was, like you'd have a pay-per-view, let's say, every three months. And if you had a feud it wouldn't necessarily get addressed on the TV show one week because it was only an hour long. So you can only have so many actual things take place during that hour. So mm-hmm. my thing is interview. I don't know. Yeah. But. My thing is here too. Like, so you have Finn beat him clean twice, which once again, uh, I'm, I am fine with this as a Finn Balor fan, but like in this case, if you know, you want to extend this to TLC, why don't you do some kind of, DQ screwy finish and have Wyatt go over here to justify having that last match. Right? I mean, yeah. It, I, it's just like if I'm Finn and he's like, I'm going to fight you again, I'm going to be like, no, I've beaten you twice. Like, go away. <laughs> right? Yeah, I, I understand fighting. Well, you're not even a fighting champion at this point. Yeah, I understand not backing down from challenges or whatever, but at this point, it's like. It's not even the sore loser thing. It's like, why do they keep booking? You know, why, why do the promoters keep booking the match? Yeah, if it's... you're if you're Kurt Angle, you're like, I, I why why am I going to put you two back together? I know exactly what's about to happen. I've Unless, seen it. Like some voodoo thing happens, and you know, we find out that Bray goes to Kurt Angle and mind controls him, gives Kurt Angle a hat and. The hat makes Kurt Angle do whatever Bray Wyatt tells him to do. I don't know. Maybe I've been watching too much Papa Shango. Kurt, you've been looking real bald, man. I want you to wear this hat. It's going to look good. It's going to 
It's going to show you the light, man. Put it on. And of course, since Kurt Angle is stupid, he would do it. Right. Man. All right. There we go. Got the Ray impression in. Yeah, Check. there we go. <laughs> Drink. Drink. Uh, it's a match of the night right here. I think we can both agree. Uh, the Shield retains against The Bar, the tag team titles. Uh, if you're a dentistry fan. <laughs> uh, most notably, early in the match, uh, uh, Seth catapults Cesaro to where he's going to take the uh, the Sergeant Slaughter bump off the top of the ring post. Oh, yeah, but he goes in mouth first and knocks his two front teeth into his jaw. Yeah, it's, it's, it's important to stress this because <sighs> at first when people saw it and, you know, you kind of saw, like, oh, it broke his teeth. Nah, bro. No. No, he jammed him up no, in there. No, no. They actually reversed the aging process and pushed his <laughs> teeth literally back into his mouth. Is this where I yell Seth Rollins is an unsafe worker and got somebody hurt again? Is that appropriate here? No, it's not. Because oh, okay, good. Because I, yeah, I, I don't know. understand how you it's take not. that bump wrong. Yeah, I mean, it, it's totally on Cesaro. It's a, I, I guess he just, I don't know. He went in mouth first, which... I, yeah, I don't understand. I mean, I'm not a trained worker, so, I, you know, anything I can mean, go wrong in there. But I've been watching wrestling for a while now, and I've seen that, you know, slingshot into the ring post spot about eight bazillion times. Yeah. And I get that it doesn't cause blood anymore. And I could even get, okay, you know, we want to do a little something that shows damage, so not saying blood capsule or anything, but they, they've done the mouth bleeding thing once or twice, but Roma does it every week, <laughs> you know, not for nothing, but try not dropping your face directly on the post. Yeah. And to hit like to where both teeth get off. It's impressive that he was able to do that. <laughs> like, did he slip or something? I, I, I don't I, know I, I how don't you know. do that, but, but, uh, yeah. Good match. Otherwise, he continued to work, finished the match. Uh, these these four guys, like, really click together. Yeah. Uh, and I hope we get one more of these at TLC. But there, see, apparently there are other plans in the works. And see, that's why, like, you can have, and we have had, you know, the Ambrose, Rollins, Cesaro, Sheamus matches a couple of times now. And it's been okay. Mm-hmm. Because these guys actually work well together, whereas, I mean, not saying that Bray Wyatt and Finn Balor don't work well together, but it's not optimal necessarily. So you can you can watch a match again and again if it's enjoyable each time. If it's just kind of there, then it's time to move on to something else. Yep. Uh, and I guess what we're moving on to here. Uh, is the Shield reuniting fully with Roman Reigns to take on the Miztourage. Which That's evidenced by the, the Miz TV segment and the beatdown from Monday night. I mean, yeah. the Shield's getting back together. And yes, it's not optimal against uh, the Miztourage. I realize that. 
that they're getting back together and I don't care. It was you don't have another group of three, and that's apparently what they need to do. And we've technically we've already done the Wyatt family, but I no mean, one knows what the hell has happened to the Wyatt family. Right. So, well, I mean, I mean, I already told you, you put you and they would have had to already be laying the framework for this, and they're obviously not doing this. But you put Finn with with Gallows and Anderson. And I realize yeah. that's real inside baseball, and so it won't get over heavily with a lot of the casual audience which is the majority of the audience but i mean if you have commentary and i'll say you know hey these guys have a past in japan together they're they're family and you can have them cut promos about being brothers in japan and whatnot and it'll be fine they just align no big deal yeah and it's unfortunate that they can't like pull together footage necessarily because they're not going to get the new japan footage but... no yeah but that would that would that would be my choice, but I mean it's not going to happen, and that, that's okay. I've come. I mean, to, I just I've come want Gallows and Anderson to do something interesting. That's all. Yeah. Because they can. Yeah, I mean they're really you can tell they're having fun and they're really good at this kind of comedy stuff they're doing now, because it's very much them and their personality out there when they're like this. But uh, I'd like them to actually have a meaningful storyline too, because they're well, they're both very good workers. Well, I mean, that's the thing, too, is that here's two people that, like, when they were in Japan, it 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 was almost this kind of motley crew of that was put together where you had Carl Anderson, who, you know, worked indies in America, went over to Japan and found his niche in Japan. Mm -hmm. So, you know, he did his thing over there. Luke Gallows had, you know, the questionable, one questionable gimmick and one <laughs> gimmick that just didn't necessarily work all that great right. in WWE before eventually kind of going off. And he went to Japan and the two of them kind of worked a team together and it worked out well. And like, you know, you know, in Japan, you're going to be busting your ass night in and night out. And he got a contract thrown at him and, well, to come over to America and be able to, I don't know, be in America and have, I would, I don't know, I would say it may be an easier schedule. It's not all about wins and losses at this point. No. I mean, they did have a title reign, technically, pretty sure, I think. They did, technically. But... It's more so about making probably a – would you say similar amount of money than as they were making in Japan? They're, oh yeah. It's close, I would say. I would say it's close because they were getting better merch money there. It's not like they really have merch in WWE right now. They do. They've got I a, mean, they got a little bit, shirts. but it's nothing. I mean, it's not to the level of Bullet Club. Right. But, um, I mean, I, I've seen some people go, oh, well, you know, aren't you, like, you know, they talk about guys, like, that end up working main event and uh, the undercard shows and just kind of doing house shows and not on TV that much. It's like, uh, are you, like, pissed off that, you know, you, you ended up taking this job and you're, 
you're basically at the bottom of the card for WWE when you're the man in indies or whatever, and they're just like, no, we're we're living a good life right now. We're making money and they're back stateside you know, near their families. Like, I'm sure well, that's a huge have, benefit to it for, for the for the performers that come back. Yeah, you know, well, I mean, Carl's got that hot Asian wife, so well, that's, this is true. That's a good point. But anyway, anyway, do do not cry for Gallows and Anderson. No, but it would be yes. Personally, I would enjoy seeing them with Finn or doing something that puts them a little bit higher in the card and allows me to see them each week. But yeah, it is what it is. Mm-hmm. Uh, Alexa Bliss retains the Raw Women's Championship over Bailey, Emma, Nia, Jackson, Sasha Banks uh, after scoring a DDT on Bailey, clean in the center of the ring because. Of course, it's Bailey. And we all thought Emma was going to take the pin. How stupid are we? Yeah. Well. <laughs> Forgot Bailey's back. She she could eat the pin. <laughs> Who came out to booze yet again? Oh, man. She is not. They That, that month away did not help at all. I liked this match. It was very um, good. It, it did all the little things. Like... I mean, on paper, it's like, well, nothing actually, you know, nothing technically happened because Alexa Bliss came in with the title and she left with the title. But nobody got necessarily elevated or whatever, but Nia looked good. She looked like um, a, a damn champ, like a beast in yeah. there. She was looking good. She had a great match. The seeds were once again planted with Bailey and Sasha. Yeah, more of that Monday uh, night as well. Yeah, the the kind of three way thing with uh, were they trying to pin Alexa? I can't remember, but it was just where Bailey hits the Bailey to belly and makes the cover, and Sasha breaks it up, and Sasha puts on the bank statement, and Bailey breaks it up. It's like basically they both could have had the title, but neither of them ended up getting the title because of the other one. Right, and that's one of those things where it'll come back and get referenced and all that. So, yeah, but yeah, I mean, and I mean, Emma didn't look horrible either. So no, not at all. She was fun. So yeah, it, for a generic throw the women's division together in a pile and just make a match out of it. It was a good match. Yep. For sure. Uh, then we get to main event number one, <laughs> and really what should have been the main event of the show. Uh, Roman Reigns defeats John Cena in 22 minutes and five seconds. Longest match of the night. Uh, match starts real slow. <laughs> Roman using that damn chin lock <laughs> just to rile up the crowd more. Uh, back half of this match, though, fantastic. Uh, I saw it piss off a few people online because of the amount of finishers that got kicked out of. It's it's WWE. Who like what? What do you expect? Here's my thing about the finishers, and the finisher thing will come up a little bit later on. Spoiler. Um, you have two guys basically in Reigns and Cena that not for nothing have shitty finishers. Agreed. 
The AA is a fucking fireman's carry takeover. Yeah. It's a transition move. It's not a finisher. True. Now, mind you, I thought we were seeing a pinfall when he hit it off, what, the second rope or whatever? Yeah, when he hit the, the one Super A. Yeah. yeah. Like, see, that's a finisher. But, yeah. and then to not kick that and just the reaction shot of Cena when Reigns did kick out of it was good TV. Oh, uh, yeah. But, I mean, Reigns' is, like, finishing set is, like, Superman punch, which is a punch. And I don't know if you've, you've ever run and punched something. It really doesn't cause that great of an effect differently than if you just kind of punch something True. uh yeah and a spear which i mean is fine but i don't know it's it's hard for me to sell a spear as a finisher uh edge did a great one which i get and i mean romans is actually a pretty well done one it's yeah he lays his it's in actually, depending and and i guess the thing with the spear too is it depends on who you're working with uh because a spear is only really effective if it's sold like death right uh which is something that cena does pretty well but yeah i mean to have i guess it, there was a little bit you could say a japanese influence in it because in Japan, if you watch like a New Japan match or something like that, finishes finishers don't end matches necessarily. It might, especially in a big match with two like big hosses going like scenes and rain, Cena and Reigns. So like sometimes you got to hit the finisher more than once in order to be able to get the finish that you want. Yeah. And I mean, I was fine with that. I, I saw some people had issues with. Oh, you know, you don't have a big match. You just have a, yeah, a big match isn't like built. It's just everybody kicks out of everybody's finisher. Well, yeah, I've and, heard that complaint before, but and my thing whatever. is, neither one of their finishers are even really protected at this point. Like they've been no. kicked out of before. It's nothing new. And you've got, and you got to look at it in theory. Like these are the two top baby faces in the company. Like, of course they're going to kick out of each other's finishers. They're supposed to be the, the strongest, best guys in the company. Like, court, like from a storytelling point of view, that makes sense. It's it's the fighting spirit. Right. Which Romans is embodied in the corner while having a seizure and then yelling, ooh-ah. <laughs> uh, I, I don't want to spend more than 45 seconds on this. Uh, Enzo Amore is the new cruiserweight champion. Because fuck that division, let's just kill it off now. It has me mildly interested in it because yeah, they paid it off. I want to see what the fuck they're gonna do with it. Well, you know, Enzo gets I don't even know what one move of offense in. He he has a nice DDT during this match. Uh, then low blows Neville to win. Uh, Monday night, he comes out to have his celebration, and the entire cruiserweight roster comes out. Uh, Neville confronts him, 
Enzo's got a piece of paper that says, uh, well, if you if you touch me, you don't get a shot at this title again. Neville's like, I don't really give a shit, and beats him up anyway. <laughs> the show goes off the air, and then apparently, did you hear what happened uh, in the, the dark segment after Raw? Uh, was this the Braun thing? Yep, Braun comes out, also murders Enzo, and then the rest of the Cruiserweight roster comes down, and everyone individually hits their finisher on him. Yeah, I, I wasn't sure if that was during it or not, because I ended up watching that segment, like, on YouTube the following yeah, day. They released it, so it's and, um, canon, but, oh, Jesus. I I think my favorite part of that is, uh, oh, God, I can't, it was Mustafa Ali, I guess, uh, gets, the, gets ready to go up to the top rope to do some uh, 450 or something like that at, yeah, you can tell how well I follow the cruiserweight division. Yeah, he but he gets ready to go up to the top rope, and Drew Gulak like <laughs> starts arguing with him, like no, no. <laughs> and then finally, Drew just kind of like shrugs and goes, "Okay, you talked me into it," and allows him the high spot. Right. <laughs> well, because you know that's Gulak's whole gimmick is the uh, no fly zone. <laughs> yeah. But you know, if apparently. Everyone can agree on one thing. It's that Enzo's horrible for the yeah, Cruiserweight division. I, we'll see where it goes. I mean, we've turned him heel now, so at least that gives his, like, chicken shit fluke wins some credibility as a heel. But how long can you sustain that with him, though? Uh, what is weird about it is it's almost like there's a babyface push for uh, Neville, which is would be very much the wrong direction to go with him. Yeah. But I guess, well, but you think I guess too, him they, being that he, he attacked, he attacked, uh, Enzo. So he, so in theory, he no longer ha can claim a right to the cruiserweight title at any point in time. So is he being brought back up to the main roster to, well, he's on the main roster, but to the, to the heavyweights. And that's why they're face turning him. I think it's more of an excuse to keep him uh, like the, the condition of the match, I think, or to have, let me try that again. Him not being able to get a title match, I think is just an excuse to be able to have other people have the championship at least for a little bit of time. Yeah. Because I don't think anybody at this point, they had built up Neville so strongly that, it wasn't believable to not have Neville as champion. True. So the only way that Neville obviously doesn't take this belt right back from Enzo is some stipulation, which is what ended up happening. Yeah. So that's the thing. Enzo's cruiserweight champion. Yep. Hashtag for now. For now. Uh, then our main event of the evening. Brock Lesnar retains the Universal Championship, uh, defeating Braun Strowman in nine minutes even in the most un the most underwhelming match of the night, I would say. Just from a, a point of, boy, we were hyped for it, and then it went nowhere. Are we done with Brock yet? No. He's holding that belt till Mania, or at least the Rumble at this point, right? No, I mean, I, I'm done with him. 
I mean, I, I don't disagree with that, but he draws. He he draws ratings like they need him. But the thing is, and I think it's kind of draw. Uh, I think it's kind of getting on Lesnar too. Is that Brock doesn't need WWE? No. And it's showing in his ring work, and it's showing in pretty much everything. It's that that match with. I mean, it did Strowman no favors necessarily, but I mean, it was. Well, this is the worst match. Like he had that bad match. The last bad match I can remember Brock having was uh, at WrestleMania Dallas against Ambrose. Everything else has been good so far. The Fatal Four Way last month, or I'm sorry, at a Survivor Series SummerSlam, was awesome. Which was him selling. And then coming back, doing suplexes, and hitting 1F5. Because all you need is 1F5. Right. And that's cool. I'm good with that. Please ignore what we said three minutes earlier about the 27 kickouts, the finishers that Reigns and Cena had. again, theirs haven't been as protected as the F5. The S5 is still super protected. Obviously. But it's because he's he's the most legit person they have. I mean, I I also want them to get that strap off of Brock. I'm I'm just tired of it. I mean, it's I don't mind crutch, him. It's a crutch for them, but I don't mind him being a you know, a drawing card. But have him separate from a title because right now on Raw you don't have a major title. You have the Intercontinental Championship with The Miz, and that's it. Mm-hmm. So you've got all these high card types. You have Samoa Joe, and you have Strowman, and you have um, other people. I don't know. But you have you have all these higher card types that are just kind of there because they have nothing to compete against because they don't have somebody to aim for. They don't, because Lesnar's not there week in and week out. Yep. So there's nothing to dang, there's no carrot to dangle for them. Right. So that's why you ended up having the shield, having to reform with Dean Ambrose and uh, Seth Rollins working tag matches, because these were two former WWE champions that we can't, put into a championship match because well the champion isn't around right yep uh, no clear contender for brock coming out of monday night uh but both roman and finn said their ultimate goal was to get back to that title so they're they're lining at least one of them if not both of them up very shortly and <laughs> At this point, that's all I can see is if he's going to drop that title, it's going to be in some kind of three-way, four-way where he doesn't actually end up eating the pin. Yep. I'm fine with that. That's that's the right way to do it. All right. Well, that's – oh, go ahead. Yeah. Sorry. No, do you have any more I, thoughts about No Mercy? No, I, I think that kind of wraps it up. Otherwise, I'm just going to start rambling more, so <laughs> – Oh, I got something you can ramble about. Okay. 
That costs like 35 bucks. Don't don't waste those. I'm sorry. It played. You heard it. It's there. Time for the match exchange. Woo! You gonna do yours first? Um Yeah, sure. Okay. Uh my match was oh, did I put my notes on the right thing? God, I hope I did. I didn't use there it is. Okay. Um my match was an IWA world title match. IWA Mid South, I should specify, because there's several of them. Right. Uh, this is Ian Rotten's promotion. Um, from 2004, I believe. Um, AJ Styles defends his world title against CM Punk. Yeah. Um, first off, I. I, I just love the old school CM Punk wrestling in basketball shorts and the kick pads. <laughs> right. And at least some kind of Pepsi paraphernalia. It's almost easy to forget when you just remember his WWE tenure how much CM Punk loves Pepsi. <laughs> um, it's also easy to forget now that we see how the style of AJ Styles now with his soccer mom hair and the goatee, uh, the beard and just that kind of style that for the longest time, AJ Styles just kind of looked like Randy Orton with like true the little short tights and the short hair and yeah it just it's what it was um the announcers for this thing were i'm assuming dave prazak uh who i almost had the opportunity to meet one time before this would have been like late 90s or something and because friend of a friend that type of thing and Never ended up happening. God knows what would happen if it did. But uh, God, he's grading on interviews. But he got better when he first started. It was just kind of annoying to me. But it, he got better as time went on, and that was fine. I don't know who the hell the other guy was, but it was fascinating listening to him because he sounded like Tony Vito from around the block. Hmm. But he would. It reminded me of Taz, the way that Taz would do commentary and just sound like, hey, yay, look at the two guys over there. And then would just drop some scientific knowledge like, oh, that's that's uh, the Anaconda Vice only normally used by Hiroshi Tenzon. Like, what? <laughs> okay. Uh, so the two have a hell of a match. Um Really enjoyed it. Again, it's it's I I can't undersell the amount that CM Punk loves Pepsi. Like half his matches, half his moves are named Pepsi something or other, right. including the kind of 
uh, twisting short arm clothesline type thing that he does, which is the Pepsi Twist, which reminded me that there was a product called Pepsi Twist, which was the lemon Pepsi, which I actually liked. But anyway, yeah, it wasn't bad. That's a sidebar. Uh, So anyway, the two of them go back and forth and uh, Punk ends up winning the title, causing uh, AJ to tap out to the Anaconda Vice. And the best part is at the very end where, you know, he's gotten belt and the belt looks like shit, but that's besides the point. Belt snob. He's outside the ring. AJ's already gone. And they're in, like, you know, the high school gymnasium in front of, you know, the hundred people or whatever it is. And uh, Punk's holding the title, and I guess somebody's talking shit to him. And he just turns around and he goes, you may think I suck, but in eight more years, you're still going to be paying to see me. And I go, 2004, eight more years, 2012, WWE champion. Yep, he probably was. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) He nailed the timeline. (laughs) Yeah, CM Punk the Prophet right there. Right. So, uh, enjoyed that greatly. Uh, I'll give it four and a half. Nice. Uh, Well, I watched for WrestleMania 4, in honor of Bobby Heenan, you gave me this last week. Uh, The Islanders with Bobby Heenan. uh, In a six-man tag match, take on the British Bulldogs and Coco Beware. Um, The match itself isn't much to write home about. I mean, it's fine. It's It's the Samoans and... Davey Boy and Dynamite Kid. There's some good work in there, and Coco Beware's here, too. Best match featuring a dog and a bird on that card. <laughs> this is true. Uh, but uh, seeing Bobby Heenan get his WrestleMania moment after the Islanders kind of threw him on top of Coco Beware to get the pin <laughs> is amazing, especially with his uh, not knowing that happened. And be like, yeah. oh, yeah, all right, I just won, cool. And then getting the, the heck up out of there. <laughs> Standard yeah. kind of six-man shenanigan tag. Uh, nothing too special about it. I mean, if you want to watch Bobby Heenan in a ring, uh, cool, go for it. You can watch it here. But yeah, it's, it's two and a half stars. I mean, it's, it is whatever. Yeah. I think this was one of Bobby's last matches that he actually had. Yeah, that seems about right. What do you got for me this week? Uh, This week in tribute, I guess, to the upcoming quote-unquote Starcade card in Greensboro. Is that how I properly say it, Greensboro? It's Greensboro. Okay. I've I've never said Greensboro. That's how how you people say it when you're trying to make fun of us. I'm not trying to make fun of... I've lived down here for, you know, like 11 years now. I understand that, like, I can read the name of a location, and it's like, no, no, it's pronounced completely wrong. Like, K-E-R-R is car, not cur. Even though it looks like it should be cur, it's car. In reference to what? Now I'm confused. How is that car? car? Car Lake. Oh, yeah. Car Drug. 
Yeah, you're right. I've always called yeah. it Kerr. I didn't know it was called Carr. Wow. I thought you were from here. I, oh, was, well. I was taught by nuns from Philly. So. Okay, well. <laughs> anyway. So from the Starcade 1986, which I'm actually watching in the background as we're taping this. Uh, not this particular match, though. Uh, the... It's funny. It's listed in Wikipedia as the Anderson brothers. They are not. They are the Anderson. They are the Andersons because it's Oli and Arn. Uh, Arn is technically Oli's kayfabe nephew, right? Not his brother, because Gene is his brother, and well, Oli was like twenty years younger than Arn, so. Uh that are challenging for the NWA World Tag Team Championships held by the Rock and Roll Express of Ricky Morton and Robert Gibson in a steel cage. Nice. So, uh, this this was the main event of the Greensboro Coliseum portion of Starcade, as there were... um, Starcade was held in two locations that year, and they kind of went back and forth between uh, they had closed circuit and the actual live card. So they would have one match at one location. The other match would watch on closed circuit and then they'd flip it back and forth. Okay. Which from what I'm to understand allowed the kind of time frame to go so that they could assemble steel cages and that type of thing. So smart, but yeah. So, Steel okay. Cage, Arn and Oli versus the Rock and Roll Express. I'm done with that. That sounds good. All right. Well, I've got a match for you. It's a Japanese match. Okay. It's Japanese women. Of course it is. Shut up, Tom. You chauvinist pig. Buy the merch. <laughs> um. So, I, I'm not. I'm just gonna tell you what the match is. I don't even want to say a word about it. And then we can discuss okay. it next week. Uh, it is uh, Act Yasukawa. There we go. If I can say her name right. Versus Yoshihiko. Uh, I believe this was a stardom championship match at the time. But uh, Yoshiko, long reigning uh, stardom champion. Yep. Oh, wait a second. Nope. You save it for the show, Tom. Okay. You, I think you just, I think you know what it is. I think I just put it together now. Yep. I and probably I, don't want to watch it. Yeah, you do. Have you ever watched it before? Uh, I don't think so. I've heard about it. Okay. All right. I saw a clip of it today. Uh, spending way too much time on YouTube at work. Because <laughs> that's the kind of day I had. Okay. Uh, and uh, yeah, I was like, oh yeah, that's gonna be Tom's match. So, we're gonna we're gonna go with that. We're gonna take this in a real weird direction next week. All right then. Yep. All right. Well, I think we're all wrapped up. So you can uh, tell the people where they can find you on the internet. Where they can find me. Where they can find you on the internet. That's what I said. I thought I thought you said where. Anyway. You can uh, tell them where they can find me. <laughs> see if you can nail. See if you can nail my thing, and I'll try to do your thing. <laughs> all right. Where can they find me on the internet, Tom? Uh, go to the Twitter machine at JC Bobbitt at JC B O B B I T T. Uh, on Instagram, on 
uh, Snapchat, on Google Plus, on. Into Google Plus, <laughs> Friendster on. <laughs> all those various other platforms that, uh, Slack. Um... <laughs> okay, uh, you can find Tom uh, on the internet uh, on Twitter at Mister Workrate. Uh, he's on Facebook. Uh, but he's probably not going to friend you. Uh, and it's mostly just stuff about his and pictures of his kids. And that would be weird for you to be like, I'm going to come look at pictures of your kids. So he's probably not going to friend you. And he's got other stuff. Uh, but he doesn't really ever check it. Is that about right? That's accurate. I usually <laughs> spell work right oh, in case you don't know how. M-R-W-O-R-K-R-A-T-E. But... Yeah. Work rate's a simple term. Mr., it's just kind of clear. You have to yeah, clarify it's that it's MR and not the full thing. Remind That's me to actually claim that other one just in case somebody decides to write out Mr. Work rate and, you know, steal my gimmick. There you go. All right. Well, fun show this week. Yeah. We had a good one. I can hear the music this time. I can't. <laughs> oh, this is, I got work to do when we get done here. <laughs> um, yeah, so uh, thank you for listening again. Uh, make sure you go to teachersneverpit.com, click that Patreon button, also the Amazon button, there's a shop if you need to click that button uh, before you do it, and it'll kick us a few cents back our way. We appreciate that every time you do it. Uh, next week we'll be back with the preview of Hell in a Cell. Yep, that's right. Back on that pay-per-view cycle, baby. Tom's not excited. Tom, sure, you? I'll be Tom's excited. Not... I'm sorry. I'm, still... I'm dancing. You just can't see me. Okay. All right. Well, uh, I think we're going to pack it up and get, a, get on out of here. So uh, I'm JC. I'm Tom. And we'll catch you on the flip side. How do I stop this new thing? That's the question. I guess I hit this off button. Is that a good guess? Sure.